0: Welcome back to the Jote Show here on the Dion Family Network. Today we're going to be talking about some bubble playoff action, both in the NHL and NBA. But I wanted to start with the MLB, which I've avoided talking about because it's the shortened season. It's definitely taken a backseat. A 60-game season, which doesn't really feel right. Teams are still traveling around. They're still... Started with the Marlins and then the St. Louis Cardinals played on July 29th and missed about know, two or three weeks of action now we have the Mets they have positive tests it's just the MOB's I wouldn't call it a crisis but it's definitely in trouble obviously positive tests and not in a bubble environment just clearly isn't what works right now they're trying to just push through and they're talking about a bubble for the playoffs which I guess it would make sense. You're going to have 16 teams in an MLB playoffs, which is unprecedented for this year. But it's more than that. First up is Fernando Tatis Jr., who the story I should be talking about is how he's leading the league, at least he was leading the league in home runs and RBIs and stealing bases, but instead it's all about the unwritten rules of baseball and baseball purists that are mad that at him for this to set the scene San Diego Padres they're playing the Texas Rangers they're up seven three in the seventh inning uh Tatis is up to bat with the bases loaded gets three balls right away and apparently from his coaches told him not to swing on a 3-0 count which if you know baseball if you have a 3-0 count at least just at least take one pitch because it's a strike, it's not a big deal. You still have two strikes to play with. You can even take two pitches. You're either getting a walk or it's a full count and still get another pitch. But instead, pitcher throws a meatball, 92 mile per hour fastball, and Tatis hits a home run. At that point, San Diego was up seven three. And then the Rangers manager gets mad, tells the tells the pitcher, whoever it was, to throw behind the next batter which is Manny Machado the pitcher gets suspended three games the Rangers manager gets suspended for a game but for some reason they're not the ones that we're talking about we're talking about Tatis swinging on a 3-0 count which if you're the Rangers you should be happy obviously it worked out for him this time but if he does that in a lot of other situations it's a foul ball it's a pop it's a fly ball it's really not going it's unlikely that it's going out of the park the only reason it makes sense is because of how great of a season Tatis is having but he has to go and apologize and it's the unwritten rules of baseball and we're supposed to respect our opponents like this isn't professional this is professional sports they're acting like this is little league and we have to be nice and have mercy rules but these guys are making millions of dollars to play this sport and if he didn't swing at that pet pitch let's say he grounds out still a 7-3 game, and the Rangers come back and win. Then the story is, well, as good as Tatis has been, now he just he doesn't come up in a big moment like that. You have the bases loaded and a chance to put them away. It completely changes the story. But instead we're talking about how basically a, a huge marketing campaign for Major League Baseball has been let the kids play. A young young, exciting group of players, which is what we should be talking about, but instead it's, respecting opponents and these unwritten rules which besides Tatis which he's having a great season the Padres look like they could make the playoffs which has not been the case for a long time we're not talking about that we're talking about the Texas Rangers who again are in the situation where they just look like crybabies a few years ago it was Jose Bautista for the Jays hitting a big home run in the seventh inning to get the Jays going, to get the Jays into the next round. He does if if you watch it again, he does kind of stop and look at the pitcher, but it's because it was such a momentum swing in that game. If you watch it back, it's ridiculous and there's so much chaos that that home run kind of gave the Jays some normalcy and then next year the Rangers punch him in the face and I guess that's the unwritten rule and they win that battle. I don't know. The baseball is i love baseball it's not my favorite sport and i've definitely been watching it less and less well especially now with them having to compete that's why baseball always seemed to do well because they didn't have to compete with anyone every two years you have to compete with an olympics and that still only goes on for a month so you get most of the summer to yourself this year it's all about the other sports and they're in playoff time i was excited about baseball it's a you get dropped into the middle of a pennant race with everybody at even even level, but that's not what matters. It matters that we're disrespecting the game, and we're talking about letting the kids play, and now we just won't let them. It's, it's, it's definitely annoying, and it's pushing younger people away because they're going to see this and go, oh, so we sh- don't want our star players making big plays hitting home runs, having fun. We want to respect our opponents. That's what matters. Ask the NHL and NBA teams right now if they're, oh, you know, I'm not going to shoot this three-pointer or I'm, I'm not going to score in this empty net because we want to respect our opponents. No, it's a professional sport, especially they're in the playoffs, so it's a little bit different. But at the end of the day, the Padres and the Rangers are racing for playoff spots. And you lost that game. You got blown out. You should be embarrassed for yourself, which I'm sure that manager is. That's why he changed the story to respecting the game. When If the rules were reversed and his player hit a home run, I mean, maybe he would just really double down and say, our player disrespected the other team, but you should be applauding him. He put your team out big. He made this game easy. You don't have to use a closer. You have security in this game. You have an eight-run lead with Two and a half, three innings to go. Anything can happen in baseball. Baseball is built to be crazy. There's not a time clock. You go as long as you can go. And besides that, Trevor Bauer, who has been very outspoken about the Astros and how they cheated their way to a championship, had cleats and put up a video before the game and they were free Joe Kelly tweets, I thought, or uh, cleats and i thought it was funny he got an eight game suspension for throwing behind the astros and all major league baseball seems to do is protect the astros because they get a hold of anyone they can for bauer and say if you wear those cleats you're gonna get ejected you're gonna get a fine you're gonna get suspended which is amazing that mlb players were allowed to put whatever they want on their cleats as long as it's not political i think there were a few rules behind it but now they're just protecting the Astros, and who who wants to see that besides Astros fans? Who wants to see them protected? Who wants to see the league go? Yeah, we know these guys cheated and they won a championship, but you can't you can't do anything about it. They're not going to get us suspended. They're not going to apologize. You also can't do anything about it. You have to leave them alone. That's just ridiculous. And baseball is. I think more than slowly dying. If they don't figure out that, first of all, a team that cheats and you're not going to do anything about it, teams are going to do stuff. They're going to take it into their own hands. And I hope the Astros miss the playoffs because that's the best punishment you could ask for. Altuve and Springer and Bregman. Actually, I think Bregman and Correa have actually been having good years so far, but Springer and Altuve... They could have bumped it up by now, but a few days ago they were hitting below 200, which is hilarious because, especially now, if they were still, if they didn't get caught and were doing it this year, then everyone would be watching their games and think, oh, what's that, what's that like noise in the back? It sounds like someone's like banging, banging on something. Oh, George Springer just hit a home run. Oh, and there goes one from Altuve, too, where they get caught now, but now, now they're not cheaters. And, not all of them are cheaters. Some people refuse to do it. I just think protecting the team, although they are a very good team and no one would deny that, they don't have any credibility now for being a good team because they cheated and they're protecting them. I just hate to see where baseball is. Obviously, playoff baseball is pretty undeniable, but until then, I'll obviously keep up with it because it's a it is a prominent sport, and I want to see where it's going, especially come playoff time. But just overall, they need to they need to figure out how to attract young people to be interested in any respect. Yeah, ten minutes on baseball. That's not that's not bad. Let's move on though, because I don't want to blow a gasket on Tatis Jr. and Trevor Bauer, who are both just. I want to end this with they are both in the right swing at every pitch blow out every team you can win every game by as many runs as you can and if you want to be funny and talk about a guy who got suspended for eight games for it is definitely vigilante justice do it I know he made the right move by not wearing them because you can't do that to your team but wear them in every warm-up sign them auction them off someone will buy them I hope Joe Kelly buys them all right, let's move on now to the NHL. Uh, first round seems to be almost wrapping up. we got two series left. Uh, for now, let's go through Vegas beat Chicago in five. Again, Chicago wasn't in this series. Vegas kind of seems like they just need to prep for the second and third round because that's when they're going to get an opponent that's really going to challenge them. Although this Vegas team is really deep. I think their goaltending is still... Not a question mark because it's two quality goalies, but I think they've picked Robin Leonard, and I think that's a good call. Until he really falters, you just got to ride with him, especially in, and in that game five. I talk about Vegas's depth, but also that top line, Max Pacioretty, plays his, he didn't play any of the round-robin games, gets a couple of points. William Carlson, Mark Stone, those guys really stepped up in – a game that they just needed to eliminate Chicago because the longer they held on, the worse it would be for Vegas. Now they get a few days off and I think that's only gonna be good for them. Next up we got Tampa Bay eliminates Columbus in five, but a five game series that I think because of that game one overtime, they played about seven games. I think that game first game was two and a half games. Tampa Bay really dominated the series. It's funny that I talked about how badly Tampa Bay was outshooting Columbus, but then Columbus in the last two games outshoots Tampa Bay 29 22, not nothing crazy. And then in that game, game five, 41 25, which is a big margin. And if you gave me those numbers just blank without the teams, I would have told you Tampa Bay definitely outshot Columbus. I feel bad Jonas Carposalo this is definitely not his fault Tampa Bay I think this is way more impressive that they don't have Steven Stamkos and that I, I assume he's not really gonna come back if he hasn't played yet why what makes everyone think he's gonna come back I don't even know if he's in the bubble but Tampa Bay moves on they destroy their demons of Columbus last year I think it's interesting who I have Obviously, you know they're going to play one of two teams, but it's definitely definitely going to be interesting. All right, I guess that eh, could be up. And now I'm doing the math in my head. It doesn't really make sense. Um, Boston eliminates Carolina in five. Boston wasn't dominant in this series. Carolina needs a goalie, and I'll get to a goalie who isn't a free agent, but I just would love to see this goalie move teams and Carolina to get a goalie. Carolina losing Svechnikov was bigger than people would think. I know they moved him off the first line, but just as an energy guy, he's a 20-year-old, and it's not like Aho and Taravine. And Taravainen was a little quiet, but Ajo is asserting himself as a number one center. And I, I remember when Montreal gave him that offer sheet, I was kind of worried Carolina wouldn't match that because imagine – you had Aho in Montreal right now and you could move one of those other guys to the wing I think that makes that Montreal team a lot different but Boston obviously Halak is up there in age I know everyone's freaking out about Tukarask left which seemed like not an emergency which is what they said was not an emergency but I don't think it's anybody's business of why he leaves if he leaves that's his choice and if you want to get mad at him for that then raid the streets of Boston demanding you trade him because I don't think you deserve to Rask if you get mad at him for leaving. Even if it wasn't an emergency, that's his family. And his family comes first more than anything, more than this sport. I know he gets paid millions of dollars to play, but at the end of the day, if you told him you quit hockey to be with your family, he would probably do it. And I'm sure a lot of guys would do it. They could find another job. It's not impossible. But yeah, Boston going forward, halak in that, I think is interesting. He has some he has a history of playoff hero, heroics. And I think it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what Boston can do. Cause they didn't look they looked horrible in the round Robin and then kinda stepped it up recently. But I think in that second round you're gonna face a team who's got some playoff miles and are definitely gonna lose the goaltending battle. Fourth up, we've got Colorado eliminates Arizona in five, which Colorado killed Arizona and it wasn't close. The final two games were both seven-one. Imagine in a playoff series you get outscored fourteen to two in your final two games of the season. This is my official, unofficial. If you're Carolina, go get Darcy Kemper because he can he can steal a series. And the reason they lost, and he was not the reason they lost that series. He saved them from even more embarrassment, if anything. Colorado going forward scary. They're a deep offensive team. Nazem Kadri has been amazing, which I know Leaf fans will love to hear. But yeah, Colorado dominant. Arizona definitely a team to look out for in the future. I don't. I, s- I assume they don't keep Taylor Hall. I think. Having that veteran presence though was good. Phil Kessel's good for them, and they're a fun team going forward. But for now, they're just they're not on the level of these other teams. Fifth up, we've got Washington, who saved the sweep in Game Four on the back of Ovechkin, and then in Game Five they just they came out flat and just don't look like a team that won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago. The Islanders are just such a well-built playoff team that they're just going to grind you down and they're going to win two one games and they have to they won for nothing and they figured out the, they figured out they had a goalie and not that Holpe was that bad but Bar-Lama have outplayed him and I think again if you're Carolina Braden Holpe a free agent you need a number one goalie Holpe gonna need a job because I think Washington's going to want to go to Ilya Samsonov as a young, cheap goalie, at least to start. Have a veteran backup. But yeah, Washington came out flat, and the Islanders, I think whoever they have to play in the second round is going to be in trouble just because of their never say die mentality and the way they're willing to win games in any way, but they usually will dictate the play. And just play that tough defensive style that I think, not the worst possible series, but if it's Flyers-Islanders in the second round, we're bound to one nothing, 2-1 games. And just all neutral zone, no shots, and just what most people who don't enjoy hockey would definitely say a boring game. I don't agree, but... We'll see. we'll see what happens. Next up, we got Dallas-Calgary. I thought Calgary looked great. They won two games. And then Dallas just slowly, they made so many comebacks. And usually it was late at the end of games to push it to overtime. But this game is six. Calgary's up 3-0 in the first period. Dallas gets one and then just explodes for four in the second period. It's a 5-3 game. Denis Gurionov scores four goals which is not who I don't think most people would have expected him to score four goals for Dallas or anybody on Dallas. Miro Heiskanen all over this score sheet. And, again, Dallas moving forward, if you're in that second round, they're the three seed. I don't know if Anton Hudobin is the answer to beat you're not going to face as as Colorado or 1-2. So I guess you face Colorado. Actually, yeah, either way Dallas faces Colorado because it'd be St. Louis or Vancouver. Um, I don't think Colorado I don't think Colorado is going to get that thrown off by Hudobin. And then I think Philip Grubauer is enough to stop Dallas. Although Dallas does have that kind of playoff magic feel to them. I think Dallas-Colorado is a great series. And I think ultimately Colorado would win that series, but I don't think it would be easy for them. Not as easy as this Arizona series. Uh, Next up, we got Philadelphia, Montreal. Philly took the 3-1 lead. Montreal forced Game 6 with uh, uh, the most wide-open game of the series. And not even that it was a high scoring game but it just kind of seemed like the offense was kind of always or at least felt like at least there was a little more offense to this to this game it ended up 5-3 which they go into game six now the other thing I think we have to take into account is that was their game five or game four game five was their back-to-back and I think Montreal, obviously, your season's on the line. I think Philly comes back in Game Six and takes over the series. But it was a fun, it was a, just a fun game of just back and forth scoring, which has never happened in this series until that game. Obviously, the big story now is Brendan Gallagher and Matt Niskanen. Niskanen cross-checks Gallagher in the jaw, breaks his jaw. Has to have surgery and is out for the series. I think it's huge for Montreal, even though Gallagher wasn't really putting up points. He did score his first goal on a bad end. But that's the other thing. Philly, they gave up four goals and an empty netter, which led to the scrum at the end, which was amazing. It was the playoffs. You are five games in. You don't like these guys. But for Philly, they... I don't think they really need to do anything different. That first goal was a penalty kill in which your defenseman, which was Matt Niskanen, who might not even be playing in the next game, fell asleep. He just wasn't ready for that play. And it's funny that the veteran Niskanen fell asleep, but Travis Sandheim, a younger defenseman, recognized the play, but he recognized it probably a half second too late. And then Armia yeah. scores that first goal. He scores another one horrible angle gets deflected and kind of just rides up heart Carter Hart's shoulder which Carter Hart's been amazing in this series and really looks like he's doing a Carey Price impression it's definitely not the most high entertaining series I guess you call it just high scoring but for just a playoff series it's Everyone thought Montreal didn't deserve to be here. I think they've proved to everybody that, especially against Pennsylvania teams, they are showing up for these playoffs. I think that's big. Uh, Final series up here, we've got St. Louis, Vancouver. St. Louis looked dead in those first two games, came back and won two straight. And in game five, they had the lead. And then Vancouver just... Vancouver opened the scoring... St. Louis came back with I think two unanswered, two or three unanswered. Um two uh three, actually yeah, three unanswered. Two in the first, one in the second, and then just seven 7 minutes of just monstrosity for Vancouver. They score three goals. They completely take over the game. They shut down that third period and St. Louis scored, but it was after the final buzzer. I think the series, as good as it's been, deserves a Game 7, just as a hockey fan. But I think Vancouver really changed the momentum with that win. I have a feeling they'll take this. Uh, They play tonight, Game 6, same with Philly-Montreal. I think Vancouver takes it, but I think... Hockey-wise, this series deserves a 7th game, a deciding game, to see if these young gun Canucks really take down the Stanley Cup champions. And it's not like they don't have a chance to. They have them on the brink of elimination and looked like they did after Game 2. But it's been such a back-and-forth series that I think a 7th game truly decides who can outlast the other one. Be interesting to see and then we'll we'll get to the second round, but now let's move on to the NBA. We've had game two two games for each series, so we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of all these teams. We're gonna start in the East. Milwaukee, Orlando, game one. Milwaukee hasn't really looked good in the bubble. I think it's the same goes for the Lakers, which we'll get to, but they hadn't looked good and that game 1 just showed it that they had played all year for the one seed they were ready for home court advantage and orlando just kind of showed up and made shots nikola vucevic that's up nikola or nikola vucevic 35 points 14 rebounds and just the magic are just a solid team I think they are, as long as that group is together, they're a playoff team. I don't think they're anything above a six seed, but they're just a solid playoff team. And they took that game one, and I think everyone started to freak out. It's time to time to panic for the Bucks. Like, what are they going to do? How are they going to stop this? They haven't looked good at all. They're the number one seed, and they're they're going to get knocked out by the Magic. Are they going to get... I don't think anyone thought they'd get swept by the Magic. But then, uh, game one really showed the depth of these teams and I think the Bucks' depth going forward when they have to face a even a Miami who's playing really well a Boston a Toronto I think that depth's going to come into question because the Magic's depth just showed just showed up in that game one a lot more and I said it before the Bucks have that question mark who they need guys to show up who's it going to be I mean Giannis obviously is going to show up 31 points, 17 rebound and seven assists Game 2, though, the Bucks bounce back. Giannis, 28, 28 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists. Statistically, about an even game. I know 20 rebounds, 28 and 20 sounds a lot better than 31 and 17, but in all actuality, it's not that different. I think it was just the Bucks again, the Bucks depth that just showed up in that game. Vlusevic, again, though, 32 and 10. up great numbers against brooke lopez who i don't think anybody's calling a defensive player of the year candidate the magic are shorthanded. i guess you can know michael carter williams no aaron gordon for the first two games which makes it even more impressive that they won that game one without arguably one of their better players i think the real question now for the bucks is chris middleton He's your second best player. He's unquestionably an all-star. One of the more underrated, definitely overshadowed players in the league playing behind Giannis. Game 1, he scores 14 points. Eh, not really what you want to see from your number 2 guy. And speaking of number 2, game 2, he scores 2 points. He can't. We're obviously going to get to Paul George, who's had his history, but Chris Middleton just disappeared, and they won, which I think is more concerning, is if he doesn't show up and they still win. Obviously, it shows that they're a great team, and they are the they have the best record in the league for a reason, but him not showing up, he can't do this in round two. If he scores 14 and two points in the first two games against Miami in the second round, if that's what happens... I think they lose both of those games. They need Chris Middleton to show up. And if he doesn't, the Bucks are going to be sent home early and the rumors are going to swirl again about Giannis. Does he want to leave? This team can't win. Does he want to stay in Milwaukee? Which comes to their, their possible second-round opponent, which is Miami, Miami, Indiana. Game one, just a solid performance all around Jimmy Butler 28 points Garan Dragic 24 points which I said before Miami needs one of those point guards to show up whether it's Dragic whether it's none they need one of them to show up even Bam Adebayo who I think it's him or Brandon Ingham for most improved player this year I think it would ultimately for me would have to go to Bam because in my opinion he's kind of their best player he's I know Butler's the go-to scorer and the alpha dog, but Bam 17, 10 and six, not not obliterating the stat sheet. Is their defensive anchor is the ultimate Giannis, not the Giannis stopper, but the number one piece you would want to try to stop Giannis in round two. I loved hearing that Butler is fired up and he's because Indiana's the f- a home team, designated home team. He's yelling at the virtual Pacer fans, which is exactly what Jimmy Butler needs. I thought he's one of those guys where you don't know if he needs the crowd to really succeed, but I think that guy finds his own energy from anywhere. Even his story, I think it was right before game one, that he's selling coffee out of his room. He has a whole setup and everything for it. $20 a cup, I think that's hilarious. I love Jimmy Butler. I think he's definitely not one of the faces of the league but definitely a guy you need in the league who's just kind of like a Reggie Miller-ish type villain who's the underdog but he really he thinks he's probably the best player in the league I know a lot of guys would say they think that but I think in his heart he really thinks that he doesn't care LeBron, Giannis, whoever's in his way he'll destroy them if he has to I think Miami played great but also Indiana came out flat TJ Warren First team all bubble didn't really show up, and losing Victor depot eight minutes, her after he only played eight minutes is definitely was a concern before game two. Which game two was the Duncan Robinson game to say the last twenty four points, hit his first six shots, which were all threes. I think definitely the underrated player for Miami has to be Tyler Hero. I know he was a high pick and went to Kentucky. But just as a rookie, he scored 15 points in game one, 15 points in game two. He just kind of seems like a reliable piece that Miami needs. Oladipo, again, comes back from the eye injury, scores 22 points. But I think the real thing that's come out of these first two games for Miami is that being the five, five seed... It's a blessing in disguise. Again, it doesn't really matter that you're the five seed. It's no home games. They have a virtual crowd. It doesn't really make a difference. And I think having that adversity, having that chip on their shoulders definitely made a difference for Miami. And I definitely see them running away with this series. I think the Pacers can steal a game, but this team's really got to wait to next year for Sabonis to come back. And having that team all together again, I think they'll be fun. But for now, I think Miami's on their way to dominate this series. Just like Boston is dominating Philadelphia. Philadelphia without Ben Simmons just isn't the same. Game one was the Tatum and Brown show, which they look like the mini versions of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Jason Tatum, 32 points, 13 rebounds. Jalen Brown, 29 points. The one thing you can really see from this series is that You could argue Embiid's the best player. I would say Tatum, at least right now, is on a higher level. But he's doing it by himself. 26 points, 16 rebounds. And he just doesn't really... Having Simmons there is just another guy on his level. And no one can even seem to throw the ball to him. I know he turns the ball over a lot, but guys with high usage do. Luka, who we'll get to again, had 11 turnovers in his first game. But it's because he has the ball all the time. But what are you... If you're putting the ball in someone's hands and they don't turn it over, they would have to be the perfect robotic player like Koi Leonard. Uh, I think Boston's concern, again, going forward, you lose Gordon Hayward for, you assume, two rounds. If you get to the conference finals, you get him back, it's a big boost. But without him... And they hold on and I think that's definitely a big concern game two is definitely more telling of what's to come 76ers again without Simmons they don't have an Id- they don't have an identity game one they started Al Horford game two they made the smart move to start Matisse Thybul, which going into the bubble they moved Ben Simmons to forward and started Shake Milton so that Horford would come off the bench, especially come playoff time. He's really only giving Embiid a breather for a few minutes. I think that's a perfect role for Horford on this team. I think on a on a Boston, I think Boston really misses him, even though he's on the losing end. But again, this was the Tatum Embiid duel. Embiid again on the losing effort, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Tatum, 33 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists very consistent but this series just doesn't really feel like a competition. Philly needs Simmons defensively I know he's not a shooter but the way he can put again I would say an elite defensive player and someone who although you start him at forward at the end of the game he's a point guard and he can dictate your offense. Next up, we got Toronto-Brooklyn, which Toronto, 30-plus 30, 30 plus point lead, kind of blow it, still win by 20. It was just a pretty win, is how you have to say it. Again, the Raptors, a team effort. They don't just need one guy to show up. Different guys can step up. Obviously, so far in this playoffs, it's been Fred Van Vliet, 30 points, 11 assists, Even Karis LeVert has been carrying this Brooklyn team, and I think he deserves to be on that team next year with Durant and Kyrie Irving. 15 points, not great. Seven rebounds, 15 assists. Toronto was up big. They let their foot off the gas and then just kind of finished them off in the fourth quarter, which was a lot different than game two. Brooklyn dominated the first three quarters. The Raptors really couldn't get it together, and Brooklyn was hot. Joe Harris had a great game. But just the Raptors just grind it out in the fourth quarter. Van Vliet and Powell leading the way, which Siakam a quiet eighteen points. I think saying the Raptors need a superstar is fair when you have to face other superstars, but for now, guys can be quiet. You just do it as a team. No one really needs to dominate. I think I wanna say Brooklyn takes a game, but I think the way the Raptors are playing and they proved that They get dominated for three quarters against Brooklyn and still come out with a win. I think they're poised to most likely sweep the series. Brooklyn can steal a game three, game four with a great performance, but the Raptors should be looking forward to the next round. Which is when we're going to move on to the Western Conference. We got L.A. and Portland, game one. Just Dame and the Blazers, they're scary. LeBron still a historic playoff performance. 23 points, 17 rebounds, 16 assists. Only player in NBA history to have those numbers. Anthony Davis, 28 points, 11 rebounds. Just not not what you need from them because beyond those two, their depth isn't great. If they get Rondo back, that'll be huge. I wonder if, I know Avery Bradley opted out, if there's a chance they could get him to come back. I think he makes a big difference for that team especially to guard Damien Lillard, 34 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, or C.J. McCollum, 21 points, 5 rebounds. Even Yusuf Nurkic, who on this team especially, he reminds me of Draymond Green on those Warriors championship teams, 16 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists. The Blazers just showed up, and it was the perfect game for them. The Blazers have been playing playoff games since they got to the bubble and the Lakers clinched the 1 seed fairly early and didn't really need to win which I think game 2 was a lot more telling that the Lakers show up, dominate, just blow them out. I know Dame has the dislocated finger he said after the game. He's playing game 3. I think it's definitely a concern, but also it was kind of a uh, blessing in disguise for the trailblazers that they didn't have to put dame back out there they were already losing by 30 and i think it's a little concerning but for the blazers dame 18 points again dislocated a finger in the third quarter second or third quarter cj and colin 13 points a little quiet not what you want from your second guy their third leading scorer if you want to I do if anyone wants to take a guess You think how? Oh, Yusuf Nurkic, he's played really well Nope Carmelo Anthony, nope uh, Gary Trent Jr. Hassan Whiteside, nope The third leading scorer who played all garbage time Of the fourth quarter Was Anthony Simons Who you might have to Google to make sure you know who that is He didn't play college He kind of skipped a year and has been behind Dame for This is his second year in the NBA now <laughs> scored 11 points and you can't have that if you're the trailblazers obviously you split those first two games so you're happy but going forward with dame's finger i think it's definitely definitely a concern and i mean the lakers showed up not that it was overly dominant we got anthony davis 31 and 11 pretty good scoring night i think lebron james just i'm never gonna say he's bad He's just had a slower start. Ten points, six rebounds, seven assists. Not what you want from your number one. You could argue Davis is number one guy, but I think for the Lakers to win, LeBron has to be your number one guy. Especially when you look at Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who had a horrendous game one. Danny Green, horrendous game one. Danny still didn't have a good game two. At least Caldwell-Pope, 16 points. J.R. Smith, 11 points. You kind of need you need those guys to show up and have random games, whether it's out of that clusterfuck of guards. I said it before; those you need at least two of them to show up and have a decent shooting night for the Lakers. Not necessarily to win now, but, but because you're facing a team that has such good guard play. That and then once you get to the second and third round, you're facing these teams that have won and proved that they're good enough. I think even if the Lakers win this series and they have to play Houston, they need those guards to show up. Maybe having Rondo back at that point will be good, but who who really knows right now? Speaking of Harden-Westbrook, no Westbrook facing his former team. Houston's just dominated both those games. I wrote that Houston shoots the lights out. They shot 38%, I think, in both games. But they, just, they played well enough Harden dominates and the Thunder just they don't have any answers. They can't they don't have someone that can guard Harden for long enough. Dennis Schroeder can do well for a few minutes, so can Dort, but nobody for a long extended period of time can guard James Harden. I think that's true for a lot of teams in this league. Again, game two, the Rockets are pretty set with their eight man rotation. I think once they get to the Lakers if that's what happens, I think they're going to have a whole hell of a trouble with Anthony Davis. I know that's every team, but you can have Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker guarding Anthony Davis. I just don't think defensively it's going to work for the Rockets. I think the small ball experiment's been fun, but I think they need to find a center that can shoot threes, which is the ultimate Houston like death weapon, I guess you can call it, because if they find a center... can defend and shoot threes the Rockets might win a championship maybe not well obviously they can't win it now or not that they can't win it now but they can't have that guy now but eventually they're a scary team moving forward Shea again Shea Gilgis-Alexander decent game one game two their top scorer him and Chris Paul just aren't enough offensively they're fun but defensively they just can't hold the Rockets and that's the only thing they need better wing defenders they have a lot of they have the Dort and the Terrence Ferguson they have Baisley and Gallinari and Mike Muscala which they're all decent players but they're not good enough to win you a playoff series unless they all show up and play equal minutes which just isn't realistic final two series first we got Denver Utah game one just an overtime classic. they had the double overtime earlier in the seeding games Donovan Mitchell, 57 points. Ridiculous. Jokic, Murray. Jokic, 29, 10, and 3, which is not what I would expect from Jokic. Only three assists. Jamal Murray really showed up in that game one, especially that overtime. 36 points, five rebounds, nine assists. Just really good performance by them. Ingles and Clarkson, they were okay. Clarkson's a good scorer. Ingles is kind of a decent all-around player, but... Not having Bogdanovich just really hurts them in this series, especially. Michael Porter Jr., Game 1, he's just a really reliable scorer. Defensively, he needs help. He needs work, but knowing he's a could be a reliable 15-20 to 20 point scorer is great for the Nuggets, not just this year, but moving forward. Game 2 was just a great team effort. Mitchell, as their point guard, waiting for Mike Conley to finish his quarantine and return. Mitchell, Gobert, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, just all kind of showed up in there. Not necessarily equal, but just it just fit the right way for the Jazz in that game too. Jokic 28, 20, 11, and 6. Bit of a, I guess a better, not statistically not a better game, and they didn't win. Michael Porter Jr., 28 points. The real problem with Game 2, and it's been Jamal Murray for the past couple years. Murray, 14 points. Scored 36 in Game 1. You don't need him to score 36 every night, but you need a little bit more from your number 2 player, I guess you call him. You can't call Porter their second best player yet. If he figures it out defensively, he could be, but especially with Murray's inconsistencies. I think this is going to be a great series, and I think it goes six or seven games because of how they kind of go back and forth, and Utah's going to get Connolly back, which I think it's going to be interesting when he comes back, what kind of rule do they want to put him in, if they want him starting again or coming off the bench, kind of running their second unit, giving a little off-ball time to Mitchell. I think it's going to be fun looking forward to that series. Last one up, got Clippers Mavericks, game one. Everybody talked about Kristaps getting ejected, which was a horrible ejection. Both the texts were soft, especially especially for the playoffs. But it exposed the Mavericks that they already don't have great wing defenders. Besides Kristaps, they have Boban, who, as fun as he is, he can't play crunch time, and he can't can't play big minutes that's why they need Kristaps there that's why next year Dwight Powell will be big for them. coming big for this Mavs team coming back game one though just a classic Kawhi 29 and 12 Paul George showed up 27 points the real story though which was most points in your first ever playoff game and I think it just proves the legend of Luka Luka Doncic has been great 42 7 and 9 your first playoff game I think people are going to want to go play with him I think my dream piece I know it's not good to say in the first round of the playoffs but if they had Goran Dragic kind of a a point guard that's played with Luka in the past both for the Slovenian national team give him some off ball time kind of not stagger their minutes but give Drogic early minutes and then kind of let Luka play point guard for a bit and then in crunch time you can figure it out I think he'd be a great piece for them but I think this team needs wing defenders especially in this series it's just not really going to work although game two Luka only plays 27 28 minutes still 28 8 and 7 between his first two games one of the highest combined points for your first two games like he's in a company he's in company with kareem which i think is incredible chris naps comes back 23 and 7 just good performances dallas dominates all night that second and third quarter set them up so well that they didn't really need to play their starters in the fourth quarter Kawhi again he's just trying to put this team on his back 35 and 10 again the real problem of this team it's a guy who tried to give himself a nickname before he even really had a great playoff game. Playoff P, Paul George, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Or right. Actually, I don't know if that was rebounds. 10 rebounds or assists. It doesn't really matter. If you're the second-best player on your team in a playoff game, this goes for Paul George, this goes for Jamal Murray, this goes for Chris Middleton. You need to show up. You can't just have your star carrying this team because... They can only do it for so long. And that's where you can see uh, Giannis kind of, not break down, but get tired because you have to carry this team. I think that's really tough. They are easing Montrezl Harrell in. His first, he didn't play any scrimmage or seeding games. So I think easing, they're definitely slowly trying to get him back in the rotation. I think if they really need him in a game five, game six scenario... He'll be out there for crunch time. He'll play big minutes. But for now, they're just trying to make sure he gets his legs and doesn't hurt himself. I think that series goes probably six, just based on Luka and Kristaps and how great of a duo they are. They need a third guy. Not saying Goran Dragic is their third star, but they definitely need a third, third guy that's a good wing defender. And I think that Mavericks team is scary for the next, as long as you can think of, 10, 15 years. As long as they have Luca and Chris Tapps together. So yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. That's the first two games so far of each series. uh, NHL, second round just around the corner. Could be over tonight. Philadelphia and Vancouver could win. We could be looking at round two. If not, game seven. I hope one of them goes to game seven because I love game sevens and for a first-round series, that's tough. But then it also turns into the argument of: is it is it bad to wait, or would you rather be playing, and then come game one of the next series, the other team's rested, but you're fresh. They may be more fresh, but also you've had more important games to be playing while they've been hanging out in their hotel, playing ping pong, swimming in the pool. and That goes for the NBA or, or the NHL. I think it's going to be really interesting really fun this first these first couple games have been intriguing intriguing enough that it's only one two three series that aren't split Miami Toronto Houston winning the first two games of all those oh sorry Boston too so half half the series have been to nothing but it's for justified reasons and player injuries that if they weren't the case if Sabonis and Simmons. I mean, if Russ was playing for Houston, they'd probably be winning by more. It's definitely you could see that, and the only reason Milwaukee Orlando split was just game one jitters. You could see it. it happened with the Raptors last year against Orlando, which is definitely the scary thing to think about. Is that can or is now Orlando the team you want to face in the first round and lose game one because they'll just fire you up and get you set on your playoff run? It's to be seen, I guess. Uh, other than that, you can check out uh, all the podcasts we're doing here. Uh, coming up with the name for the pop culture show soon between our two options. Uh, still doing uh, NHL, MLB, NBA daily picks. Uh, it's on my blog, uh, Jack- uh, I don't know. I'll just put it in the description. I can't remember the URL right now. Uh, I can follow the Instagram Dion family network and post every episode there. You can listen to Spotify, Apple podcasts, anywhere you find your podcasts, really. And, uh, other than that, we'll see you next time.